0: Let's pray to the Lord. Father, we do indeed ask that you would take the small meager seeds of our own life as we plant them each day, sowing them for your kingdom and cause us in this life and the next to reap a bountiful harvest. And pray, Father, as well, that as we look to your word for a short period of time, that that too would reap a bountiful harvest in our life for years to come, for generations to come. I pray that you would do that through the preaching of your word this morning by the power of your spirit. And all who agree, would you say amen? Amen. 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 Well, let's open up our word to Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 6. Again, this is our principal text that we've been looking at week after week. And we're going to continue to look at it today as well. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. We're continuing in a series on the Christian's relationship to prosperity. And I hope it's been a blessing to you. I hope it is shaping the way you think about your life, about your possessions, about your work, about your future, etc. And so let's look at Galatians 6, 6. I'll read this for us. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. And here is our principle. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith, which is the church. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's just begin this morning with a little review. We have seen from the very beginning of this series that God promises prosperity to his believers, to his children. It's not instantaneous, it's not automatic, and it's not the only thing that we can expect in this life. God does also promise persecution, and as long as we live in this world, we will suffer affliction. But he does indeed promise prosperity, some degree of prosperity in this life. But he unfolds it in our life gradually. You saw that in our text. In due season. In due season. Therefore... Because He promises and He unfolds that prosperity, whether that be health or wealth or education or friends or social connections or power or energy, whatever that prosperity might be, because He unfolds it in our life gradually, we have to, in the meantime, wait on the Lord, wrestle with the Lord, pray to the Lord, claiming His promises and asking Him to deliver them to us in due season. Amen? We saw that already, but we also saw that while we are in that meanwhile stage, while we are waiting, while we are wrestling with the Lord in prayer and asking him for his good gifts, we must also be sowing the kind of seeds that would reap that particular kind of harvest because God is not going to be mocked. You can pray and you can try to manipulate and bargain with him. But at the end of the day, if, if you're sowing a certain type of seed, that is what you are going to reap. He will not be mocked. So we pray, we wrestle with the Lord, but we make sure that we're sowing and we're sowing the kind of seeds we want to see reaped in the future, in this world and in the next. Amen? Amen. So that's where we've been so far. Today we're going to add another principle. Slightly build on it, and I call this the principle of multiplication. Multiplication. Say that with me. Multiplication, not addition, multiplication. Exponential multiplication. It's the multiplication maxim or principle or law, and it's seen implicitly in our own text, but I want to show it to you even more explicitly in Mark chapter 10, verse 29. Mark chapter 10, verse 29, the multiplication maxim. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel. See, there's some persecution mixed with the prosperity. As we said, the perfect amount of persecution and prosperity for you because this life is a bit of a training ground. Amen. All right. So all of that persecution. But look at the, the reaping on the back end. Verse 30. Who will not receive A hundredfold now in, say that pronoun with me, this time, houses, real estate, rental properties, land, and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life, which is a quality of abundant life, amen. Amen. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. You see here the principle of multiplication. You lay one thing down for the Lord, and He multiplies it in your life in due season 100-fold, sometimes 10-fold, sometimes 20-fold. He is sovereign. He does love us. He is a loving Father. Amen. And so He determines the precise amount of multiplication, but it can go all the way up to 100-fold, 1,000-fold, 10,000-fold. You never know. You never know. You see, your life and every day of your life and every action and every investment that you make of time, energy, money, good deeds is, is like the two fishes and the five loaves that that little boy brought to Jesus. You never know what he might do with it. And so we must give, we must present to Jesus with expectation and with hope and with faith that he can feed a nation with our meager good deed. Amen? Amen. Why? Because we believe in the multiplication maxim. That is how, that is one of the ways in which God governs this world. It's not automatic. He's not a machine. He is a covenantal father, but he does govern this world, and he reveals to us that he governs this world in this way, that what you put in the ground, what you sacrifice, what you invest, rather than consume, he can multiply that in your life 100-fold. Amen. That is very good news for your life, for your future, and for your children, and for this world, as we're going to continue to see. Imagine if you would, in your mind's eye, an ear of corn, right? Imagine the most juicy, the biggest ear of corn you can imagine that you got from the grocery store. It's been shucked, and there it is in all of its glory, yellow, bright, golden, with butter. It's got to have butter and olive oil, right? Right? And all of those tightly packed kernels in a perfect symmetry circling that ear of corn. You've got it in your mind? Can you picture it? If instead of eating that entire ear of corn, you take one kernel out. Let's say 10%. Let's just say 10%. All right? And you take that one tiny little kernel out. And instead of consuming that, you put it into the ground. You say, Pastor Brandon, you can't uh, plant a, a uh, cooked kernel. I know, but... It's an analogy, okay? So work with me. You take that one kernel of corn and you put that into the ground. Do you know what can come from that? Another ear of corn. No, several ears of corn. It's the promise of multiplication in the future. It's the promise of God giving the increase that is the driving factor behind farming, behind the farmer to plant that seed. If we expected a one-for-one correlation, who would ever go plant anything? right? You would consume all things, but because God promises us the multiplication of our efforts in due season, we plant, we sow, we invest, we sacrifice. You put one kernel into the ground. In the future, in due season, according to God's plan and for his kingdom, it can be several ears of corn. And those ears of corn can be many tortillas, right? And, and, or multiple bags of popcorn, or ethanol, ethanol to fuel jet airplanes. You understand? Who would have ever thought when, the, when they got off the Mayflower and they saw this maze presented to them by the Native Americans that one day jets would be flying through the air fueled by this ethanol? Who would have ever dreamed that God's multiplication could be that much? That's why we must... Live our lives and, and sow good deeds and, and speak encouraging words and, and give and sacrifice with, with dreams in our minds, with imagination, with what God could do with our meager efforts. That's, that is such good news. That is what drives the farmer. That's what drives the distributor, the truck driver. That's what drives the, the chef. To, to invest their time and their energies because they know that the way this world works is that there can be multiplication. And God is promising us that this morning. That should motivate you to sow for the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Amen. Let me give you a few examples here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. This example is particularly about evangelism and church planting, but it can be applied to all areas of life. Paul says, I have planted in Apollos water. You see, you can't expect to reap if you don't sow. But when you sow, you must sow with faith, with great faith, with the expectation that it's not a one-for-one correlation, that God can turn your meager two fish and five loaves into something you never could have imagined. He gives it the increase, the increase. He determines, of course, how much increase, but it's an increase. I like that. Our Genesis chapter 26, verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. That is one hundredfold multiplication in the very same year. See, when you do good deeds, when you give your time, when you give your energy, when you tithe, when you are generous to the poor, do you recognize that within that year you could be blessed 100-fold? You could be blessed. God loves you just as he loves Isaac. It may not be that year. Everybody, we all have our own plan to live, but it could be that year. Think of the expectations. Think of the, the anticipations. Think of life as an adventure with the Lord ready to surprise you just around the corner. That's faith. This is not the power of positive thinking. I've said that every single Sunday. This is not uh, skipping through life like a little schoolgirl through the flowers. Everything's just dreamy and wonderful. No, there's persecutions. There's afflictions. This is just a life of faith recognizing that even the difficult things you have to do, God can multiply that 100-fold for you and for His kingdom. I like that. This principle, it can be applied in many ways. But before we do that, I do want to address one thing. You might be saying this morning, Pastor Brandon, what about forest fires and volcanoes and floods? What about when someone's home burns down to the ground or they they lose everything that they have, even the loss of a loved one? Isn't there more persecution than prosperity? Does the multiplication maxim still apply when I'm being persecuted or when I'm being afflicted or when I'm going through suffering? Listen, there is both in this life. Both are promised to you. But this is what I want you to understand. Even during the persecution, even during the affliction, The principle of multiplication is still in effect. As a forest fire ravages a forest, it is a a heartbreaking and and an awful thing, especially when people lose their homes. But if you keep your eye on God's providence, you can see over a few seasons that entire forest rejuvenating and very oftentimes coming back much more fertile than it ever was to begin with. That's why we burn sugarcane fields, because it increases the potential of multiplication for the very next season, so that even while you are suffering, even in loss, even in cursings, even when it feels like God is against you, He's still multiplying all of your efforts for your good and His glory. Amen? All right, let's apply this negatively. So if it's true when we sow good seed, it's also true if we sow bad seeds. And Paul right here in our text is, he's speaking to Christians, by the way. He says, as Christians, if you sow to your own flesh, you're going to from the flesh reap corruption. But one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. You have the option as a Christian to sow seeds in the Holy Spirit field or in the field of sin. But if you sow f- seed in the field of sin as a Christian, you can expect down the line to reap that harvest. And many of us have learned that, learned, li- learned things the hard way. Right? God will not be mocked even if you are a Christian. He does not always provide for you a safe landing. If you reap the wind, if you sow the wind, you will reap the whirlwind, the Bible says. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. You see, it's even true with sin. One little sin can defile many. Multiplication. One loose tongue, James says, is as a a match. And it can burn down an entire forest. You have to understand that your efforts whether for good or for bad, will be multiplied in your life and in the life of your church and your family. Amen? Amen. Nationally, if we apply this principle nationally, we can see that our nation continues to apostatize from the Lord, not turning to the Lord, not confessing the name of Jesus Christ and submitting to his law. I think that goes without saying, really. It's obvious that that's happening. And we continue to sow seeds of darkness and evil throughout our land. What can we expect but increased darkness, increased affliction, increased conflict and poverty and persecution of Christians. I do believe unless our nation repents, we're going to see a multiplication of darkness and difficulties. This is, this is not me being a prophet. This is just me deducing based on how God governs this world. One of the things being the multiplication maxim. We don't have to be in despair forever because the, of the increase of his government, there is no end. But there can be and there is going to be a season of discipline, an increased multiplication of darkness unless our nation turns back to him. And this applies to your spiritual life as well. When you begin to repent, when, when you, for example, have been under the power of a sin for a decade, let's say, just as an example... And it feels like there is no hope and you've been dominated by this besetting sin for so long, whether that be addiction or whether that be self-centeredness or whether that be any of the deadly sins. You've been dominated by this particular sin for a decade and you look out of your life and you have no hope for, for your future. You can't see past the end of your nose. I can guarantee you this morning, right now, if you would begin to sow the littlest seeds of repentance If you would believe this promise that he can turn your tiniest of efforts into victory over sin. Now, it's going to take some time. It took you a long time to to make that bed you're lying in. But you can, in due season, reap the benefits of a little bit of Bible reading, a little bit of prayer, a little bit of fellowshipping and making friends with Christians, attending his service and praising his name and memorizing the Psalms. You can sow those tiny little seeds and in faith, In Faith, he could change your entire future. He could change the destiny of your entire lineage. He could could blossom your family tree like Aaron's rod if you would just begin today, the tiniest of seeds. If you've been encumbered by lust, begin today to, to cultivate affection for your own wife, the wife of your youth. Begin to speak affectionate words to her today. Your heart is far from her. There is an intimacy or passion in your marriage. Sow the kind of seeds that would reap that harvest. And do it today in faith, asking the Lord and wait for Him. And He can bring that spark back. He can give you a happy and a passionate marriage in due season if you would work toward it. Amen? You say, "Well, how can this little thing lead to that? I don't know. It's God's increase. It's God's increase. You've been encumbered by the sin of sloth, not taking dominion over your time or over your efforts or your energies. And you're now uh, overcome with poverty. Or you're so far in debt that you can't, you can't see how you could ever get out of that debt. Begin today. Work the hourly job. Ten dollars an hour. It doesn't matter. That one hour of ten bucks can be turned into a life of debt freedom of financial success, so that your generations can be ahead of where you are. You don't know what God can do with a $10 an hour job. You don't know what he can do. I'll tell you a story. It's not in my notes, but the reason I'm a pastor, there's a million reasons why, infinite reasons why, most of which I probably have no idea about. But there's one reason I know I'm a pastor and a church planner, and, and, and all of this is here, is because... I had an awesome Spanish teacher my freshman year of college. You say, well, how can that be? What's the connection? I promise you, when I was taking Spanish as a freshman at UL, I didn't know the connections would ever happen. I didn't know that God would do that. But that Spanish teacher was a a good, godly man, I believe, a virtuous man at least, and he was a great teacher, and he sowed in me, and he worked with me, and he held me accountable, and he was very masculine, and I wanted his approval, and so I worked really hard. And I did great in that class. I had failed foreign languages my entire high school career. I had to stay in the first year of Latin for three years. (laughs) I was like a foot taller than everyone, right? And there I was, a freshman in college, making A's in foreign language. I learned grammar, that, English grammar that year. I then became a Spanish teacher because I got a minor in Spanish. I enjoyed it so much, I went on to get a minor, which then I became a high school Spanish teacher. And my pastor asked me to start a Spanish ministry. And that went well, and then he said, you ought to go into church planning. And so I moved back here to start this church. Because of Mr. Garcia, in my freshman year of college... Who would have ever thought something like that? You don't know when you're doing your little project for art class what those seeds can turn into. You don't know what, when you're uh, helping someone on the side of the road, you never know what little good deeds God could multiply. You never know. He says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, know therefore that the Lord your God is God the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. I did the math on this, and I'm not absolutely certain, but I believe that's about 35,000 years into the future. What this means is that the seeds that you sow today, long after you're forgotten, long after we are all forgotten, When we are up in heaven, just looking down on on this earth, for 35,000 years into the future, the fruit that you sow today could be multiplied into a massive harvest. The, The corn illustration is great, but this is like an apple seed. One apple seed, it doesn't just make one apple, it can make an orchard that can feed the world with God's increase. So we must act in faith with long-term, multi-generational expectancy of what the Lord is going to do and what He could do with our meager little efforts. Amen? This is our desire. Our desire is that our children and our children's children and their friends are reaping a harvest from all the things that we've sown to this day. Look, if if you read the book of Judges by itself... And some of you have, I know you will see that there is a cycle of sin that happens generationally in the book of Judges. God blesses a people, usually because of the efforts of other people long before them. They then grow fat and happy and complacent, and they no longer begin to sow kingdom seeds. And so then they turn away and they compromise with the Canaanites and the Canaanite religion. And then God sends tyrants to discipline them, and they come under the thumb of, uh, of God kings And they're heavily taxed, and they're murdered, and their children and their women are taken from them. And he persecutes them and disciplines them so that they cry out to him asking for mercy, and he sends a deliverer, Gideon, Samson, Ehud, etc. And then under that deliverer comes revival, and the nation is revived back to following the Lord. But then... That next generation compromises. And then that compromise leads to apostasy and leads to discipline and leads to crying out for another deliverer. But you can't miss the point. The reason the apostasies emerge is because the deliverer dies. And a generation emerges that knows not Gideon and remembered not his ways. But our Gideon cannot die. Our Gideon is on the throne for the rest of human history. As long as it goes, and I don't know how long it's going to go, but as long as it goes, Jesus is on the throne. He does not die, and it is not inevitable that your generation's apostatized. It is not inevitable that our children's children leave the church. That is not inevitable. What God is promising us in the multiplication maxim is that if we are faithful and we do not compromise, that we can see our children's children doing great and wondrous things that we could never have even imagined. That's why we sacrifice today so that they can begin their life on the third floor and their children on the seventh floor so that one day all of Acadiana might be filled with the the bountiful increase of good deeds being done by our generations. How many generations would it take for us to outnumber all the people of Acadiana? It wouldn't take that long if you do the math. And we're not the only Christians. If all the Christians would begin to believe in faith on what God promises and sow these seeds, we could see Acadiana changed. You say, how do you say there's hope for Acadiana? Look what Paul said. He said in our text, he said, you reap what you sow. And then he says, verse 10, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. That's folks in town. That's non-Christians. Why would we do good for non-Christians? Because we can see a multiplied increase. We can see a harvest where we didn't see it. It can happen. That's why we do good to everyone. That's why we engage in this community. Because we believe in transformation. We believe that it's possible. It doesn't look like there's any hope for our country. It doesn't look like it. But you don't know what God can do with two little fish and five loaves. And you don't know when he will do it. So we sow in faith to everyone and especially to the household of faith. Verse 9, so therefore let us never grow weary in doing good. I tell you what, I'm 46 years old and the last six years things are And You know how that goes and those of you who are older than me know exactly what I'm talking about. But you go through a phase in your life where you wonder if what you're doing is doing any good right it's a hard thing to go through and i'm hoping that this stage doesn't last forever it maybe it goes on to your dead. i don't know but i'm i'm really hoping that this stage doesn't go on and then god can give me some peace with this but you really do think of your life and you wonder if it's making any good you grow weary you grow weary he says don't grow weary you don't know what god can do with your meager little efforts amen, amen. for in due season we will reap if we do not give up amen therefore verse 10 so then Christ Church this week, as you have opportunity, in your vocations primarily, in your unique particular callings primarily, but then in your free time as well, in your margins, when you have opportunity, do good to everyone. That means non Christians, and especially to those who are of the household of faith, your church family, believing that God can multiply those meager efforts. I like that. So let's plant some fruit trees, literally and figuratively, the fruit of which we will not taste, but others will in the future, right? And let's make sure we're tithing. Malachi says that when we don't tithe, we are cursed with a curse, and I don't see God blessing us 100-fold if we can't even tithe, And let's give to the poor. God says that if you give to the poor, and obviously we don't give to everyone that happens to be poor. There are certain qualifications in Scripture. But when you give to the poor, the the Bible says that God will give back to you, pressed down, shaken, stirred up, plenty and bursting. And if you're getting started with work and all you have is an entry-level $5 to $10 an hour job, don't despise uh, those, those small beginnings. Because God can increase it. Amen? I have so many other things we could say. I just I want you to get this down in your bones. All together as a church, let's believe this. And let's dream. Let's, let's dream bigger dreams. Amen? And let's sow. All together, let's stand up. And we'll pray to the Lord and ask for help. Father, we thank you that you are a loving God. And that you've revealed to us your intentions for us. Like Job, we do acknowledge that you give and take away, and we thank you, and we bless your name for both of those things. And we thank you that because you've overcome sin and the devil and this world, that you can even use the bad things in this life to bless your people. We thank you for that as well. You're a good God. Pray, Father, that you would inspire us to stop living in negativity and doubt and despair, but to get a vision for what you could do with our small, meager efforts starting tomorrow morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.